This is the Easy Living Yards Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your three-dimensional host. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 65 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we are going to be talking about epic gardening with Kevin Espiritu. So this is actually a really interesting show. What it is is a combination of shows that I interviewed on Kevin Espiritu's Epic Gardening Podcast back in December of 2018. And so what I wanted to do today and within next episode as well is share this interview with you. So the way Kevin does things is he does these rapid-fired daily podcasts. And so if you haven't heard of the Epic Gardening blog and the Epic Gardening Podcast, I encourage you to check it out. I'll have a link in the show notes today. And essentially what Kevin does is talks about all things gardening. He just totally nerds out on all this really cool stuff. I love his show. And I had the uh, the pleasure to go on his show and really talk about landscaping and living with purpose and how our landscapes fit into our lives and how to design landscapes in a way that they return for us as opposed to pull away from us and, and take our lives away from what we should be doing. So uh, that's really what we talked about on the show, and what I'm going to do is is I did seven different interviews, and his show is about a, a you know a ten minute podcast per show. So so what I've done is I've lumped them together into two two separate shows. So today is going to be part one. We're going to be talking a little bit more high level on some things, and then kind of diving a little bit deeper, and then coming out uh, next episode with some really nice polished off pieces about. Um, you know, progressing through life and, and passing things on. So the the parts we're going to talk about today, the first one is living with purpose through landscapes. Then we'll be going on to avoiding landscaping mistakes. So how to actually look for mistakes before they happen or how to fix them once they're already there. Um, then we're going to be talking about time-saving hacks for your yard and moving on with the last piece of selecting low-maintenance plants. And that's going to wrap up today's show with the low-maintenance plants piece. I'm going to go through some super quick, uh, rapid-fire things on how to find the right low-maintenance plants. So I don't want to spend too much time on introduction here, so make sure you check out the links in the show notes today for uh, Kevin's Epic Gardening blog. Also, I had a wonderful resource put together for anybody who was listening to the Epic Gardening podcast, and I had multiple giveaways. So I'm going to have a link in the show notes to the Epic Gardening show giveaways when I guest appeared on Kevin's show. So you can go check those links out as well. All right, guys, that's it. So let's get into the show. What is up, everyone? Kevin from Epic Gardening here, and today we are with a new guest, Ben Hale of Easy Living Yards. So it's going to be a little bit of a different episode. We're talking about landscaping this week, which does tie into gardening, of course, but I think it's a thing that we haven't focused on as much on the podcast. We've gone through a lot of houseplant stuff lately, obviously a lot of edibles, small space stuff. And I figured why not expand that a little bit and talk a little bit about the larger picture of what a yard might look like, especially if you're trying to maybe get away from lawns a little bit or do something interesting. So Ben, thank you so much for joining me. 
Kevin, it's so great to be here. I'm so excited to be here and uh, talking about this stuff this week. Cool. So the first thing we're going to kind of talk about is go a little high level and maybe set the tone for what you're all about. And so I think it'd be good if you kind of just gave us a background of, you know, how you came to be the owner of Easy Living Yards, what that is, and your whole sort of background. Certainly. Yeah. So at Easy Living Yards, I work to help DIY landscapers uh, save time in having a healthy, beautiful landscape with less work so they can spend more time doing what they love. And that's really important to me. That's all about purpose. And, and so today's show, we kind of talk about that a little bit. And how I got here is I started off with a pretty typical uh, cookie cutter life, I guess. Uh, going to college, I majored in microbiology, which isn't too cookie cutter, but mm. I went on with a, a pretty typical corporate lifestyle. And I'm actually, uh, I still am a full-time employee. Uh, my Easy Living Yards business is a side business for me. And so with uh, working in the corporate lifestyle, after a few years, I started to realize, you know, I'm really, I started to question, am I really making the world better? Which was something really important to me. And so once I started to take a step back, I discovered I have a lot of different passions and a lot of different things. So all these different things like sustainability, so environmental sustainability, making the world a better place, uh, regenerative agriculture, landscape design, uh, making a positive impact, being a good parent, all these things. I was trying to figure out how to fit those together and how do I actually help other people work toward their purpose or their passion as well. And so basically I threw all this stuff into a blender and what popped out was Easy Living Yards. And so at Easy Living Yards, I use that passion in regenerative landscaping, uh, landscape design, um, and helping make a positive impact and to really help people to figure out how they can save time in their landscaping, have a beautiful landscape and, and really make a positive difference. Awesome. Yeah. I think this is, um, you have this idea of living with purpose through landscapes which is, uh, I guess, to the untrained eye or to the unexperienced gardener might not make a whole lot of sense, right? So maybe you're starting out like I did in, in hydroponics or maybe just growing a couple herbs. So the idea of living with purpose through a landscape might seem like too big or too uh, intense to take on at the start. So what do you mean by living with purpose through landscapes? Like what is that doing for you? And then, of course, the people that you're working with. Right. So that's actually supposed to cause questions because at the surface, it doesn't really sound like a whole lot. Like what is purpose through landscape? Uh, and so what I mean there is actually our, everybody that has a home with a piece of property has a landscape. And, and a lot of people even have like a balcony or something, right? And so as it turns out, we usually have to do something to maintain those spaces. And, and if we're living with purpose, essentially – it influences everything we do, including how we see our landscape, how we use our landscape and enjoy it or make it uh, return for us or how we save time on it. So that's really what I mean with living with purpose through landscapes. Gotcha. And, and what did your story look like? I mean, there, there was, I'm assuming there's a point in time in your life where landscaping wasn't really a big feature of, of how you lived your life, right? So how did you kind of come to this as the way to uh, exercise all that stuff you were talking about earlier? Yeah, there's a couple things. One, I just uh, I really started to discover this artistic piece of me that really enjoyed beautiful landscaping. And also, I really enjoyed the value of, of a good designed environmental landscape and edible landscaping as well. So kind of putting all these things together, 
And then at the same time, once I owned my own home, I realized looking down my street in typical suburbia in the Midwest, people spend so much time on their landscapes that is, is wasted and could be spent on something much more valuable. And so realizing that our time is valuable, what we do matters, and, and it's important to start focusing on the right priorities instead. Gotcha. And so as far as your own landscaping, when you purchased your home, I'm guessing you started out kind of with the cookie cutter setup, right? Like a lawn, maybe some shrubs or trees. Certainly. Yeah. We have about a half acre property and, and it's still mostly lawn. So I, I, I've heard you in previous episodes talk about how you don't have a lawn right now, which is awesome by the right, way. Right. And, and so, uh, you know, I have to go out there and crank up the old lawnmower, uh, you know, several times a season to, to mow that lawn and to maintain it. So we don't get somebody knocking on our door with a letter and a fine. Oh, <laughs> and, you're uh, an HOA. <laughs> we aren't actually, but, um, and we, and we deliberately didn't move into an HOA for that reason is, is we moved into a house that needed tons of work. And, and so, uh, using our DIY type savvy, we were able to fix up the home, uh, but, you know, we, we knew we had to focus on the interior first and then the landscape. So finally, just this past year, we've finally been able to start working on the landscape to start beautifying it in a way that's not tons of work, but also gives us a bunch of value in, in just how we enjoy the space. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. I mean, I, I definitely grew up with a lawn as well. I grew up in suburbia and I had a little lawnmower business. So I totally know that lifestyle. And actually, I think that my sort of view on lawns has evolved slightly where I used to be, they make no sense at all. No one should ever have a lawn. And now the way I think about it is, well, it really does depend on how you care for that lawn um, and how you treat that lawn and how like sort of the the way a lawn plugs in because there, there is a use for having like a nice ground cover where kids can run and play on as long as, in at least in my opinion, in my future home, um, it's, it, it's not just the only thing green on my entire property. You know what I mean? Right, right, exactly. And and so basically, what is the purpose of the space and what does it give back to you? And does it give back to you more than it takes from you? Yeah, yeah. And I think that that does tie to me into the living with purpose through landscapes, because I think the way suburbia works now, and certainly it's changing a little bit, is there isn't actually a lot of purpose instilled in those designs from the developer's perspective, right? When they stamp down these homes, they're not necessarily thinking about the purpose of the landscape so much as they just are thinking, let's put some lawn there and be done with it. Right. That's, that's exactly correct. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, that's a really great overview of where we're going this week and it's going to be a really cool week, I think. And tomorrow what we're going to be talking about is how to avoid landscaping mistakes, which probably all of us are making in some way or another. So really excited about that. Thank you so much, Ben, for coming. And if you guys are all interested in this, Ben's got a bunch of information down in the podcast description that you can check out as the week goes on. But until next time, good luck in the garden and keep on growing. What's up, everyone? Kevin from Epic Gardening here, and we're back again with Ben Hale from Easy Living Yards. And today we're talking about some of the more practical elements of landscaping your yard. And the first one would be avoiding mistakes, because if you can avoid a mistake, you're probably going to avoid a lot of the other problems that are going to happen in your landscape down the road. I mean, these are 
Very tried and true principles. Same with edible gardening. If you avoid planting mistakes, well, then you're not going to have crowding out down the road later in the season. Or if you plant something in too small of a pot, well, then you might be in trouble and a lot of that time is wasted. So it's always important to avoid mistakes before you can even come into the problems that they cause. And so, Ben, what are the, I guess, principal areas where people are making mistakes in their landscaping? So when it comes to principal areas that mistakes happen, really that there's kind of, I would say, almost one overarching thing, which is is not thinking with intent before making a decision. Okay. And so when when you're coming into a landscape, and, and unfortunately for us, a lot of us moving to a new property might already have existing mistakes that we have to deal with. And that's that's the worst because you're not you're not the one that did it. <laughs> but when it comes to actually uh, say you want to plant a plant in your space and it could be in your garden, too. So this applies, like you said, to to edible gardening as well as ornamental or landscaping. And so when you're considering maybe a new plant, um, a lot of times what we do is we're at the garden center and we, we see something on clearance or we see some, oh, that looks beautiful. But we don't actually s- stop and, and do the research of is this the right plant for my space Um is it uh, going to fit my conditions um, and, and maybe what, what sort of nutrient capacity does it need, so on and so forth. And so we end up buying based on impulse or and, and planting it in a space that we like as opposed to maybe um, stepping back and thinking, is this the right plant for the space? And also, does this space actually need something here or is it going to cause extra work by where I'm putting it? Yeah, I, I think so. Last week on the podcast, we had Jessica Walliser and we were talking about um, – thinking about planting from the perspective of the bugs that will eventually be the pollinators, the predatory insects. And it it really does feel like it's the same here. What we're planting, of course, we're planting our landscapes for ourselves in some sense, because there's an aesthetic value there. There's a purpose there, like we talked about yesterday, but uh, we can't be all selfish about it. And I've done this before. You know, I've, I've found a plant that I really liked. I just said, I want that plant, and I put it in the place that I wanted it to look at it, right, or experience it. And then, of course, I, I didn't give enough thought to, does the plant itself want to live in that space, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's so cool, too, that you you mentioned, like, the pollinators and the insects. And that's really cool, too, because if we plant with a purpose, one of those purposes could be helping the greater landscape. So that's awesome. I, I really love that. But, um, yeah, tying to just the plant itself, uh, the the plant you know evolved with certain needs and so it's important for us to be able to to give the best um, head start for the plant that we're talking about um, for designing for space and I, I believe we're talking about that in a later episode of selecting the right plants for the right space um, and and this really ties into just design stuff too so it could be just not even a specific plant but if you decide to put in a garden bed right in the middle of a lawn that means long term, Every time you mow that lawn, you also have to mow a circle around that garden bed every time. And so just where you plan stuff and place stuff can really cause a lot of extra work. Um, I guess a great example of this is I'm guilty of this mistake myself, um, is I've put a maple tree right in the middle of our front yard because it looks beautiful. Uh, I wanted to provide a lot of shade. And now, of course, every time I mow the grass, I have to mow around that maple tree (laughs) and <laughs> to yep. avoid hitting it yep. as opposed to maybe planting it uh, in a, a full garden bed design that maybe could have waited a little bit longer and been a little bit, a little bit better planned out. Yeah, I grew up, um, like I said, in the suburbs and we had a, a lawn on our right side of our home 
with, I don't remember the name of the tree, but it was a very thick trunk tree with spikes all over it. Um, and that was right in the middle of the yard. So obviously we like to climb up it, but you have to be careful about that. And then you obviously have to mow around it as well. But you also have to be careful when you mow around it because if you hit it, the spikes are, were actually pretty gnarly and you could get, I mean, they could slice you. So there was some uh, poor planning, I guess, on our perspective too. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, if I talk about some of the common ones, one is, yeah, just the the uh, impulse buy, the um, the random planting out in the middle of a space, uh, which really from a maintenance standpoint is difficult. Also from a design standpoint, it really doesn't add to your space very well, mm-hmm. just uh, isolated plantings from an artistic standpoint. Um, other things are yet yeah, taken and putting the wrong plant in the space. So does it poke holes through your hand? <laughs> right. Um and, and likewise, uh, so many times around me where I live, uh, people plant stuff directly underneath power lines or right next to the house where the, uh, a large tree right next to the house can cause foundation issues or, um, you know, brush up against your roof and your gutters. And so they, they're long-term maintenance issues as opposed to uh, adding to the benefit and overall appeal of your landscape. Yeah, I think one thing that I've been starting to do um, more in my edible garden because I am still more of an edibles focused person uh, is fast forwarding through time in my head. And so if I plant something or if I plant a bed or I, I decide to install a new bed, I try to like mentally fast forward one month, three months, one year, two years, and then like picture what it would look like if the things I'm planting were fully grown or, you know, sometimes it's an annual so you you can only go forward about a year or so. But it helps me understand what might be an issue in the future if I sort of like fast forward time a little bit. Exactly. That's that's great articulation. Is uh, that's a wonderful low maintenance design practice is to to do precisely that plan for the mature size first, and then you kind of um, dial back and you can say, okay, what's my landscape going to look like? Well, I guess from an edible standpoint, yes. Yeah, what does it look like in a month? two months, three months, yep. but also for your greater landscape, likewise, what does it look like in five years and 10 years? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you're not thinking about living there for 10 years, but your, your new owners are going to have to deal with an issue if yep. you don't plan for that. Yeah. And you might say, well, who cares about the new owners? I'm selling my home, but landscape adds value to a home and also could detract value from a home if you have gnarly roots that are interfering with the plumbing or the sewage or something like that. Precisely. Cool. Uh, are there any other really common quick tip sort of landscaping mistakes that we should avoid? Yes, I uh, I have quite a few here that I can just go through quickly, and these uh, these couple tips will will really help uh, avoid some of these mistakes. So first is a, just a quick phrase: is plan first, plant last. And so I kind of talked about this already. With design is the primary issue that people have is they don't think from a planning or design standpoint first. Uh, most often people jump to the planting part. And, and first you need to think of your landscape as kind of like a palette. And um, you got to design it first and you got to plan it out. So then once you get to the planting, uh, you can do it properly. Next, I would say plan for the maturity of plants, which we already touched upon. Also consider your long-term maintenance needs, which we already touched upon, and it kind of ties into that. Also, make sure you're talking about uh, or, or thinking about uh, what are the needs of your plant. So the, the right conditions for the plant that it needs, uh, both on a macro scale, like what's your climate, 
as well as the immediate needs of the space. So what are the water needs? Uh, what's the slope in that space? All of these things can affect how the plant can grow. And we'll get into that later in, I think, a later episode um, in more detail where I can really help you select the right low-maintenance plants. Also, make sure you're thinking about the utilities and existing structures of your space. So we talked about power lines, uh, foundations, uh, roofs. Likewise, sidewalks can get disrupted by roots uh, and, and driveways as well. So all of these things can be disrupted if you don't plan properly. And also, uh, just to make sure you're avoiding uh, planting things by themselves in isolated ways and making an impulse purchase. So again, we kind of talked about that already. Right. Perfect. No, those are some awesome tips. I think good quick hit checklist for people who are maybe in the middle of landscaping or maybe you're thinking about doing landscaping projects next year. Great, great tips there. Tomorrow, we're going to go into, I guess, another type of mistake you might be able to make, and that would be just wasting time. So tomorrow is going to be all about some time-saving hacks for your yard to figure out how to just just be more efficient with it, right? Like not do more work than you have to do. So we're going to be back with Ben. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Good luck in the garden and keep growing. What's going on, guys? Kevin from Epic Gardening here, and I'm back with Ben Hale of Easy Living Yards. Yesterday, we talked about landscaping mistakes, really common things that you could do wrong that might just sort of sour you on your landscape, you know, just inefficient things that you might be doing. Well, today we're going to be talking about another type of thing that you might be wasting, and that would be your own time, which is, in my view, much more important than uh, maybe money or something else. You know, you can never get time back. So, Ben, what are some things that we can do to save time maintaining, setting up, um, just anything in our yard? Hey, Kevin, it's great to be here again. Uh, I love talking about time specifically for the reason you just talked about, which is I've learned, uh, especially say, I would say over the past decade, that time is way more valuable than money or anything else to me uh, because if we don't use our time wisely, and we waste it on something that's not important, we end up losing that time and not doing something that that uh, is living with intent or with purpose. And so I have basically just a really short list of things that can really help us save time in our yard so we can kind of avoid doing those long-term tasks or those maintenance tasks that aren't very much fun. They take away a lot of time uh, from what could be more valuable. So here, a lot of us are, are gardeners, right? We'd probably be, prefer to be growing food, whether that's in a hydroponic system or on our backyard. And instead of having to go out front and cut the grass or pull some weeds or, or uh, whatever we need to do, some pruning maybe. And so I would say really some quick tips here. One is suppressing weeds. Two, build healthy soil. Three, select low-maintenance plants. And four, take care of your lawn in a low-maintenance way. And so I can drill down into more detail with each of these. Sure. When it comes... Okay, great. Yeah, I'm thinking what, let's let's go last first because I think the lawn tips okay. might be the, some of the more interesting ones that a lot of people may not know about. And then we can go back up to some of the other ones. Yeah, but when it comes to lawns, I have a love-hate relationship with lawns. First, I do think they're beautiful if they're done the right way. Now... I can't stand having to work on them all the time. So I have a basically a low-maintenance lawn care system that helps build the health of your grass, helps to build the health of your soil underneath, avoids chemical use, which is really important to me, and then also builds a healthy lawn that you don't have to work on as often. So 
three tips that really help make a big difference is mow higher. Uh, secondly, mow less often. And three, avoid synthetic amendments. And the reason for each of these, when it comes to mowing higher, what you're doing is if you're thinking about a plant, it the, the leaves, the foliage of the plant help the plant with photosynthesis, creating its sugars and, and growing, right? So the, the more foliage a plant has, the healthier it can grow, the stronger root system it can grow. So the higher you let your lawn grow, the, the healthier your grass plants actually become, which is counter to what most people do, which is cut their grass short. So I'm not saying, you know, have a giant shaggy carpet lawn, but what you do is you just up that mower height just a little bit and you increase the health of your plants. And the funny thing is, because the grass plant is less stress, it puts less energy into growing more grass blades. Mm. So it's really cool change where your, your grass actually grows a little bit slower. And so that leads into the second piece is you don't have to mow as often. And so when you mow, right. And so when you mow less often, what you're doing is you're stressing the grass plant less often by cutting it and you don't have to do as much work, which is the cool part for you. (laughs) Right. And And now to me, I feel like that does tie into the third part avoid synthetic amendments because it's not pulling as much because it's not having to regrow itself as much. You have to fertilize much less, right? Right, exactly. It's kind of like this um, self-fulfilling cycle. So uh, the way I perceive a lot of synthetic amendments for lawns is that they're kind of like a, a, a medicine system, right? So if you're feeding it a bunch of medications, uh, it, it's going to kind of be de- dependent on those medications. And so when you feed your lawn with synthetic fertilizer, you're giving it this huge boost of, of, uh, of energy, I guess, of synthetic nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium and so it puts all this work into growing really fast and greening up really fast and then you have to cut it a lot more and so unfortunately though when it uses up that amendment then it wants more of it and then it struggles and then you have disease issues and so it's kind of like this vicious cycle where then you need to add more of it and keep adding more of it to maintain that healthy appearance yeah no it makes it makes complete sense so if you're not you're doing all these tips, you're, you're mowing higher, you're mowing less off, and you're avoiding synthetic amendments, but a lawn will still need some sort of amendment at some point in time, right? Um, yes, and, and this is where I've heard you talk previously about um, aeration and dethatching, mm-hmm. and those are, are less common uh, things you do with your lawn, so or less often maybe. So as it's needed, you do still have to do some long-term maintenance, but it's not as frequent. And it's not as much as of a resource drain as saying having to go out there and fertilize it every couple months. Right. And I, I also had, um, so I'm curious what you think about this. I had Emily Luba on the podcast. She calls herself the crazy worm lady. And one thing that she, she'll do is she will just scatter by hand worm castings into the yard and sort of let those work themselves in as the, the lawn gets watered. Like I'm wondering, besides aeration, besides dethatching, are you adding any organic matter back to your lawn over time? You can. Um, and this is uh, something where it's, uh, I, I actually, I, I did listen to Emily's uh, interviews with you. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, nice. uh, I don't know if I have enough worm castings to do that, but, yeah. but worm, worm castings are an awesome nutrient source and, and your lawn will love it. And so it's basically, if you decide whether or not you want to have that level of intervention with your lawn, it's not necessary but it won't hurt your lawn. So when it comes to the more natural amendments, say compost or uh, worm castings or compost tea, some of those types of uh, amendments, uh, 
it it can definitely help boost the soil health of your lawn, the microbial life underneath the, the soil surface, and it, it certainly won't hurt your lawn. Uh, but of course, it's more work. If, if you choose to do that, um, it will help. Sure. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So that's a pretty good overview of some time-saving hacks for lawn care, which, I mean, just you're mowing, you're basically just mowing less often. You're not fertilizing as much as you would normally have to, which definitely saves a lot of time. Um, what about some of the things that we can do around our lawns, the other parts of our landscape? How can we save time there? Sure. Uh, one last thing I would add with that lawn piece is, mm -hmm. is the other piece is, is raising that mower deck just a little bit. Uh, and even just a little bit makes a big difference. Got it. Okay. Cool. So yeah, around the landscape you asked. So uh, when it comes to the rest of the landscape, the most common problem I hear is weeds, right? So how do I not spray for weeds or how do I not go pull weeds all the time? Because when it's warm out, I have weeds. And so that's usually the biggest question I get. And, and for weeds, there are a couple easy ways you can maintain to reduce weeds. And so we can actually take a page from the chapter of many edible gardening books. And, and we can suppress the weeds before they become problematic. So one way to do this is plant tightly to suppress weed pressure. So if you have a bunch of desired plants growing, they will actually shade out mm -hmm. the spaces where your weed plants would grow. So that's the first tip. The second tip is, is if you have a young garden or if you have a space where you'd rather not plant tightly, you can mulch heavily. And so mulching heavily will basically provide just a, a pretty good barrier uh, against weed growth as well. So those are the two quick ways you can save time in reducing the amount of time you weed your gardens. Um, around the rest of your landscape, uh, in, in your garden bed specifically, I, I do recommend building healthy soil because when you have compacted, dense soil or you have loose, sandy soil that doesn't have any structure, uh, it's really difficult for plants to grow in that space. And so I suggest building soil health. And the primary ways I do that are adding compost or worm castings, <laughs> mm -hmm. if you have them, and, and, and then covering with mulch again. And so those two tips will help you build healthy soil for a healthy garden bed. And we're actually, just yesterday, I was working on our front landscape doing this exact thing. Oh, perfect. And, uh, yeah, so it's building a great head start. I actually had neighbors coming asking, why was I adding all this stuff to my landscape? And so I sat there and, and taught them how we're creating the, the right conditions for these plants. And it's going to help out majorly long-term with our new planting bed. Yeah, I mean, I think that the general education on landscaping versus edible gardening, there's so much to learn from both, right? So like, I think some of the design elements, certainly from the landscaping side, edible gardeners can take, and then an understanding of soil health and more of the more permaculturist or long-term approaches to, to soil health and mulching, et cetera, landscapers can learn, especially like a DIY landscaper where maybe you're just an accountant and you love taking care of your lawn there's not a lot of crossover there. So those are some really good tips. Um, again, guys, suppressing weeds. A lot of this stuff is something I've talked about already when it comes to like high density edibles, gardening, planting tightly, mulching heavily, obviously building healthy soil, and then some fantastic tips on lawn care as well in mowing higher, mowing less often, and as much as you can avoiding some of those synthetic, you know, pelletized lawn fertilizers by again, building that healthy soil and taking care of it in a way that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then tomorrow, I think what we're going to get into are, I guess, another dimension on how to save time. And that would be to select plants that just don't 
require a lot of time to care for, which would just be all about selecting low maintenance plants. So hope you guys are enjoying the week so far. Stay tuned for tomorrow's episode and good luck in the garden and keep growing. What's going on, everyone? Kevin from Epic Gardening here. And today I'm back with Ben Hale of Easy Living Yards. It's been a great week so far. We've talked about you know, how to save time maintaining your yard, how to avoid mistakes in the first place, and then just how to approach the entire process with a sense of purpose. And today we're going to get into uh, selecting low-maintenance plants. It's not a requirement. Certainly, you can select a higher-maintenance plant if you so choose. But if you are trying to have a beautiful space that doesn't require a lot of time but still is just able to be enjoyed by you and your family, well, maybe the low-maintenance approach is the one for you. So, Ben, first of all, in your mind, what kind of qualifies as a low-maintenance plant? Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me back. For me, a low-maintenance plant, to answer your question directly, is just a plant that is is essentially happy in the space you put it. After you get it established, you, you don't really have to work on it unless you want to. Okay. Yeah. Makes complete sense. And so if I'm, uh, let's say I'm in California and San Diego, which is where I am and you're, where are you in the world right now? So I live in Southwestern Ohio right outside of Cincinnati. We've got different climates. Certainly. And, and that kind of brings us to our first point where low maintenance is not a universal term. It it depends on where you live, right? Exactly. Yes. So from there, how am I going to determine if I'm going to get a low maintenance plant or not? You know what I mean? Right. So it's so hard uh, because this is one of the most common questions I get is, is what's the best plant? What's the easiest plant for me to use? Right. Right, What's something I can just throw in the ground and, and not have to worry about? And it's so hard to answer that question directly because it, it varies. Even it, even a plant in my landscape, the best plant for that space, which there could be a, a plethora of answers there, but could vary greatly from a, a plant that I put in my backyard versus my front yard. And so it's more understanding the right process to select your plants as opposed to saying, what is the best plant uh, for for a given area or location or or climate? Right, right. I mean, that's a, it's a really common question that I get on the edible side and, and even the houseplant side as well. It's like, well, what's the easiest plant to grow? And there certainly are some answers, right? I mean, there's certainly like a snake plant indoors in almost any climate besides, I guess, somewhere that's dark half the year um, is going to do pretty well. So if I'm, if I'm a new landscaper or I, maybe I just got a new home and I'm saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to try my hand at this. What is my little checklist of trying to I- identify the characteristics of my climate and then determine what low maintenance plants would sort of plug into that? Sure. Yeah. So I have a, a basically yeah, a quick step-by-step process here that we can run through really quickly and it'll really help you start off on the right foot to selecting a good plant for your space. And, and the reality here is at the end, this ties into your aesthetic desires or your functional desires as well. So you can use this same process for edible landscaping or for ornamental landscaping, but I would recommend this process overall to select the right plant or to know what sort of maintenance needs you'll have if you have a certain plant in mind. And so as far as this process goes, I want to start with an overarching view that your space defines the plants that you select. And so what I mean by that is, is kind of what we touched upon, the, the overall climate area of your, your region 
as well as the microclimate of the specific space you're talking about or thinking about really helps to tell you what the right plant is. And so as far as a step-by-step process, first I recommend you start with the general physical characteristics of the space. So on a big scale, what USDA zone do you live in? This really helps with understanding the temperature needs and what plants fit into that space. Mm -hmm. Next, uh, I I know you've talked about with with gardening, uh, getting a soil test done. That's really helpful in getting you tons of information that will will help determine what the right plant is. So you'll understand what your soil type is, um, whether you have sandy soil or clay or loam or silty sand, all sorts of different varieties, but that'll help you understand what are the best plants for that space too. Um, what level of fertility do you have? To, so do you have high organic matter or do you have something that's dense clay with very little organic matter like like our front yard? Um, right. And, and also what's your pH? So those are some pretty basic characteristics that you should try and figure out for your space. Okay, so Next, let's, let's yeah, say, sorry ahead. to interrupt, let's say I've done that and there's certainly some other things that we can do. You have, I like I like how you started because you, you do have to start at, at the things that just gate off certain options at the outset, right? Like your USDA zone and your soil certainly can limit you. Then you get into things like your local climate, your immediate climate, the level of moisture, the level of rain you get in your area, the the sun exposure. Can you talk a little bit about some of the more localized elements? Yeah. So um, when it comes to localized elements, one of the big ones that we don't uh, tend to think about is slope. Um, So slope actually really determines whether or not that space could be eroded. So it could be poor in nutrients. Um, And you may need a plant that has more fibrous root structure that can really hold the soil together and, and stick there better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I touched on it already, but but fertility of the specific space. Um, what's the 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 solar exposure in your specific space? So I mentioned how a plant I would select for our front yard is very different from our backyard. And so my front yard, we live in a northern climate, so um, my front yard slopes toward the south. So it gets pretty heavy sun especially in the summertime, whereas my back of my house is fully shaded in the wintertime. And so the plants I select for each of those spaces is different because the sun really dictates too. In my back, uh, I get a lot of algae growing because it's a lot moister there. It's shadier. And so these things can really influence your space. Yeah, there's just so much to consider. Let's say I've done that work, right? I've done the overarching characteristics of where I live, as well as kind of analyzed, audited my actual space. I know all the answers to that. How do I now go from that information to plugging in to the plants that actually are low maintenance for my zone, my area? Right. This is where the advent of modern technology is super helpful because you don't need a bunch of professional designers to do this part. Uh, and, And you don't need, um, necessarily a horticulture degree as well. So, online resources are super helpful. So I guess just to take a step back, I don't want us to be totally overwhelmed by this point. So each of these steps is basically something, if if you have a tendency to not be passionate about this like I am, you can just simply write these things down. So understanding all of those characteristics we just talked about. Then you jump online and you, you essentially you search for, for um, 
plants that fit your region. So a lot of specific regions have resources. So these could be agriculture extensions. Uh, these could be your local universities. Um, likewise, there's a lot of native plant societies. If you're into native plants, there's online databases that really help you select plants based on conditions. So you can select your soil type. You can select the amount of sun the plant needs um, and, and so on and so forth until you drill down to a smaller list of plants that you can select for that space. There you go. I mean, that's how you, I mean, like you said, and the, the modern technology element here is the beauty of it because otherwise you're, you're either hiring someone, which of course increases your cost or you're pouring through, you know, old books, which is just a less efficient method of, of searching for things. Um, do you have just curious, do you have a plant that you kind of think is a good all-around choice? Certainly. I mean, this is something people always ask me what the right plant is. So I have, the, as far as things go for me, one of the most general plants that is also highly desired from an ornamental standpoint is uh, several species of juniper. So juniper is a genus of plants that you're most of you are probably familiar with already. And there's tons of ornamental varieties. The, the reason I love juniper, uh, aside from its aesthetic characteristics, is it's native to almost every region in the Northern Hemisphere. So there's some sort of native, highly adapted uh, species of juniper to your region. And for that reason, it's usually one of the ones I love to recommend because there's something that fits for most people's conditions. Gotcha. Okay, juniper... If you want the quick and easy answer, maybe consider some juniper, everyone. <laughs> um, now, this was a fantastic episode. We went from from large to small as far as the details and just a really good way. I know, guys, we didn't say, hey, do this plant, this plant, this plant, and this plant, but that's because you do have to think deeper about this, and there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer. However, uh, in tomorrow's episode, there might be a little bit more of that because we've gone through a lot of some of the, I guess, foundational principles of thinking about your landscape. And now we're going to get into tomorrow how to boost your curb appeal, which is something that I don't know a whole lot about because I've never really been that aesthetically minded as a gardener. So I'm really looking forward to tomorrow's episode. Hope you guys are too. And until next time, good luck in the garden and keep on growing. Alright guys, that's a wrap for today's show. So I hope you came away with some good actionable items, especially with selecting those low maintenance plants. I really had a lot of fun talking with Kevin, if you couldn't tell by uh, the show itself. And so check out the show notes. You can go to ely.how slash episode 65. Likewise, your podcast app might have clickable links as well. The first link I have is Epic Gardening with Kevin Espiritu. So check out his blog and podcast over at epicgardening.com. Likewise, I had a bunch of giveaways I put together for, uh, you'll hear at the end of the next episode, I talk about it in his show. But uh, I have a bunch of giveaways, uh, Living with Purpose, uh, How to Find Your Purpose, also Selecting the Right Low Maintenance Plants, How to Look at Your Yard Like a Pro. Um, so go over and check out those giveaways over at ely.how slash epic or you can click the link in the show notes. Make sure if you're ready to transform your yard with confidence, if you really want to save time in your landscaping in the long term, and you really want to have a beautiful landscape for you and your family, 
go check out the Easy Living Yards membership over at ely.how slash membership. As always, you can ask a question to be featured on the show, or if you just need help with your garden, go over to ely.how slash pod, click the link right at the top of the page. Make sure you tune in to next show where we'll round out this series with Kevin over at Epic Gardening and we'll talk about some awesome stuff to kind of really just frame how we should be looking at our landscapes and how we can really view it as a positive piece of our lives to to really pass on as well. So stay tuned. I look forward to chatting with you guys next week. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.